0: And we're rolling on my side. Everybody good? Yep. Cool. All right. Let's go. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Eaton Asphalt Podcast, episode 10, after a wonderful race in Monaco, where we saw, I think, a total of maybe two or three overtakes, and essentially it was just a processional um, but we're glad to have seen the race. It shook up the constructor standings, shook up the driver standings. Um, and so, yeah, we'll get to all of that quick agenda. We have a race recap. Uh, we have a very, very special guest, Marco. Talk about our special guest for a second.
1: Yeah, we have our good friend and major F1 analyst, Mr. Robert Payne coming in, has some, uh, wants to go into some details with the Mercedes, uh, the entire outlay of Mercedes and potential some, you know, interesting aspect with, uh, the number two, maybe. So they say not, but number two Valtteri Bottas on that team. So, um, yeah, really excited to hear what Rob has to say about that. And, and then after that we got our recent headlines, our race predictions recap, and some frequently asked questions.
0: Love it. So let's jump right into it. Um, starting with the race recap, like I said, Pretty much a snooze fest of a race. Um, Weren't that many overtakes, but, uh, like, you know, it it did shake it up. So, starting from the beginning um, with quali in Monaco, qualification is, you know, is the action. So, um, you know, because of how narrow the track is, I think we talked about this, because of how narrow the track is and because of how, um, you know, important qualification is, I think that's the majority of where the excitement comes from for the weekend. Big story was Charles Leclerc crashing out in Q3. So like a lot of people behind him were're on uh, we're on a timed lap and he gets pull and very conveniently crashes in turn I think it was turn uh, the, the swimming pool turn if, if I'm not mistaken um, thoughts on that did he do it on purpose like people were saying
1: I I don't think he did it on purpose I mean <laughs> what a ballsy move if he did uh, I mean it obviously worked out in his favor it was pretty funny hearing the radio conversations from all the other drivers, and including his own teammate, signs of how pissed off they were that this was just to red flag to end qualifying. Uh, I know Max Lewis, everyone really had uh, had their own little uh, issues with it, but uh, you know that's that's part of the sport.
0: Yeah, love it. And, and like, what I what I heard that kind of resonated with me was, look, it's it's one thing if you hear that you're on pole position and then you smack your you know front wing. Just so that like just your front wing is damaged, but you know that that was like the difference of what made me think that like this, you know, obviously not on purpose. Like, I, I know Ch- Charles is probably. I mean, I'm going off of no data here, but Charles is probably not uh, that big of a scumbag. And also, you probably don't want to crash your car to the point where you have concern that your gearbox is going to have to be changed and you'll start from the pit lane. So that was kind of the concern at first that. Because of the gearbox change, he wasn't going to actually start on pole. Um, that was reported as to not be an issue. And so he was going to start on pole about an hour before the race. We learned that. And about 14 minutes before the race started, we found out that not only was he not going to start on pole, he wasn't going to start at all. So drive shaft issue um, that cut his race off before it even started all right so into the teams themselves um after the report marco why don't you start about red bull since they are currently leading the constructors championship
1: absolutely finally some change up that we see uh that we have not seen for the past couple of years in formula one where we see a non-mercedes at the top of the list obviously a huge day for them and uh, not only did max come out on top but it was really nice to see checo he had you know a so-so type of qualifying that we've seen a lot of races from him this year, but, uh, really did a, a stellar performance on the track. Uh, as we'd mentioned, you know, very few, very few overtakes this entire race. He definitely had, I believe the most overtakes, uh, him and Sebastian were really the only two that made much noise during the race. So I think that was huge for them. He also, you know, made a big jump on the, uh, the driver's championship points just Uh, right behind botas now and obviously max just had a stellar performance you know there was no there was no potential issues with him going throughout the race he uh he definitely looked like he had the clear victory throughout the the entire race it would have been really interesting to see how it was him coming off as p2 uh and, and seeing how he he would have fared with charles in front of him but uh i guess that's something that you know we'll never know
0: the other thing I wanted to talk about was that this is the second – so after five races in the Red Bull racing team's history, this is the second most points that they've had ever. Um, so, you know, Checo experiment seems like it's working obviously better than Gasly and Albon, but, you know, this this actually – I feel like this was confirmation that Checo actually does have some legs and that, the, you know, obviously we knew it was a good signing. But this shows that there's real hope, especially as Checo starts to get more and more comfortable behind the behind the wheel. So – uh, but second place currently in the constructors championship is Mercedes feels like we get this at, you know, maybe once a year, maybe twice a year where Mercedes just has a horrible day. Uh, we had Monza last year with Lewis's drive through penalty when things don't work out for Mercedes, it's such like a fun riveting time. Cause it's so different. Um, so yeah, heartbroken for Valtteri just because, you know, once again, he kind of gets screwed over. Um, and all around like a forgetful day for for Mercedes. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's an easy trade-off to say, okay, well, Valtteri's going to get screwed over, Mercedes is going to have a tough day, but now we have, you know, a change in leadership in the Drivers' World Championship and the Constructors. So that's exciting.
1: You know, uh, it was a bad day when Lewis gets out uh, multiple, multiple tweets and Instagram posts about, you know, how tough of a day it is, you know, when he has to bring out the old, laptop to to show the people what he's been working on outside of the racetrack um and so yeah you know that's really a bad day when uh when you're having to pull out all that stuff so uh you yeah, tough day um i think everyone said it was a tough day a lot of uh differencing of opinions with mercedes on why that day was tough but uh, i think we'll get into that a little bit later as well
0: yeah very very excited for that so we'll just speed through the rest of this to get to that like uh all right third place mclaren Tale of two stories with McLaren on Sunday. Lando keeping up an awesome season so far. Third place in the drivers' championship. Uh, you know, first race coming off of his new contract signing. I was thinking about this. I think he's probably like the most exciting prospect right now from a story standpoint. He's the only driver in the top six that's not that has never been a Red Bull contracted driver. I'm biased because he's my favorite driver. McLaren's my favorite team. But this has just been so awesome to watch him uh, like battle with the with the top guys. On a consistent basis, pretty much. The other side of the coin is Danny. Just seems so rough, man. Like, his... Obviously, his race would be different if he would have gotten out of Q1. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, and had a good quality lap. Uh, but it's it's getting bad. And now it's... I think, like, some... I You want to give him more races just to still get the car under him. But the difference in... You know, in Lando and Danny's performance has just been so big that obviously he's just on the stopwatch right now. It feels like of okay, you know, when when are you gonna start putting in good performances on a consistent basis? I think his top uh, finish was P six, not bad, um, but I think they're looking for more consistency than he's bringing. You know, they they need more, uh, they need double points finishes all the time, basically, to uh, to beat out Ferrari. So, uh, speaking of which, talk about Ferrari.
1: Yeah, Ferrari. Uh... Somewhat of McLaren, kind of the the tale of two sides here. Uh, usually with Ferrari, we're seeing old Charles come out with you know a top five, top four finish. Unfortunately for him, as we discussed, did make P one and just was unable to even uh, attempt a, a go at it. It would have been really fun to to see how he stacks up, you know, head to head with with Max. Uh, and then on the other side, though, Carlos did have a a great outing as well. Even qualifying, he did very well. And uh, for him to get a podium and, and see him up there in Ferrari, it just shows, you know, something that we really didn't get to see last year was Ferrari being a competitive team. And for them to see, you know, they're not obviously back to the, the glory days, but definitely have been making the great strides in that direction.
0: Love it. And fifth place, we got a, a new sheriff in town for fifth place. Someone finally had a good weekend, uh, and that's Aston Martin. Otmar Sassenauer making the jump from 7th to 5th place, leapfrogging AlphaTauri and Alpine. Um, I'm just overall, like, happy for them. I think they got off to such a bad start and had, like, you know, so so many concerns as far as performance, the car, the drivers. This can hopefully be, like, a good momentum swing. Uh, We got Baku up next, which has other uh, slow speed corners, so it should be a good overall just a good momentum swing like I said Um, another thing I noted was Seb's top this is Seb's second top five finish since 2019 Um, and uh, you know the only other top five finish coming in Turkey last year Uh, but it, it just needed this man like I feel like you obviously confidence plays a lot plays Obviously, confidence plays a big part in how you perform, and it just seems like Seb's confidence has been down so much. So it was good to see him uh, on top five and making some moves out there. Kind a really close one with uh, with uh, AlphaTauri's Gasly. But overall, seems like they have some good juju going with them. All right, so that will wrap up uh, the race recap for our top five teams. And coming up next is something that I'm extremely excited for. So we are, as you mentioned before, bringing in our... Senior F1 Mercedes correspondent uh, Rob Payne. He's a good friend of ours, and we're excited to have him on to talk about uh, about some happenings with Mercedes. So, Rob, how are you doing? Welcome to uh, welcome to Eden Asphalt. I'm doing great.
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> good to hear <laughs> you. You and I, I think, think three other people.
0: Uh, all right. We were. Uh, so, Rob is, you know, Rob's a longtime friend of ours, but Rob, tell us a little bit about like uh, about how you're involved with F1 and how you got to the position of senior correspondent with for the Eaton Asphalt podcast.
2: Sure. Sure. So, I've been an F1 fan for a little while now. Uh, I'd, I'd say I'm a little bit of a data geek. So, that's kind of what got me into the sport originally, just with all of the data and with me being an analyst by trade, I'd say. That made me a pretty good candidate to become the senior correspondent, uh, like for Mercedes specifically. And yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'm a Ferrari fan. uh, And admittedly, that's been a little bit of a rough life recently. Uh, But the boys in red will be back on top soon. So again, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be here.
0: Love it. What are you, uh, you wanted to talk about something on the podcast, and I don't want to spoil it too much. So I'm just going to turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about what you got for us.
2: All right. All right. Thank you. So yes, I I do want to talk about something related to Mercedes and specifically I wanted to talk about the growing debate on whether race victories for Valtteri Bottas is actually a priority for Mercedes at all. And I'd like to start this off by saying that I firmly believe that Lewis Hamilton is a better driver than Valtteri Bottas. But that being said, There's a number of examples where Valtteri's strategy has been questioned in the media, including questions from Valtteri himself, and Mercedes defends their decisions by claiming that they were made with a team victory in mind, but Valtteri just always seems to be taking the short end of the stick on these team first decisions. So the question here is whether Mercedes purposely puts Valtteri in worse positions to maximize opportunities for Lewis, even though a team victory can still clearly be won with Valtteri winning races.
0: It sounds like we got a conspiracy theory on our hands, and I a little put bit. On right now.
2: <laughs> you can call it. You can call it what you want, uh, but I'm just gonna go uh, go ahead and dive into the examples. So, first example that I want to touch on is Imola in 2020. So, Valtteri has a four second lead on Max Verstappen in second when Max makes his final pit stop for the hard tires, and so as expected, because Valtteri is you know leading the race, he's the first driver to pit for Mercedes. And so what would have been usual on the next lap would be for Lewis to come in for his pit stop. But instead, Lewis was put on a different strategy where he stayed out on the mediums for 10 more laps. And so Andrew Shovlin, the trackside engineer for Mercedes said, if we would have stopped Lewis straight away, he would have dropped behind Valtteri and he would have dropped behind Max. But Lewis was already behind Max before Max made his pit stop. And even with that, he was still allowed to go long on the medium tires anyway, long enough to where he can maintain the lead over both Valtteri and Max after he pits later in the race. Lewis went on to win the race, Valtteri finishes second. And then moving on to the, the Tuscan GP of last year, Lewis is carrying a few second lead over Botas before both drivers, you know, make their final pit stops. Botas requests an alternative strategy to Lewis, but the team brushes his request aside, and he ends up getting put on the same hard tires that Lewis was put on. Lewis went on to win. Valtteri finishes second by, I I believe, under five seconds. In the Portuguese Grand Prix last year also, Lewis has his nine-second lead over Botas, going, going in for his one and only pit stop of the race. Again, same thing, where Botas requests an alternative strategy to Lewis, but instead he's brought in the very next lap and given the exact same set of tires. Well, not the exact same set of tires, but the same compound as Lewis. Lewis went on to win. Valtteri finishes second again. And then you think back to Bahrain this year, you have Botas publicly complaining about being on a defensive strategy that didn't favor his own result at all. And, you know, the list goes on and on. And I understand that Lewis winning races is better for Mercedes brand than Valtteri winning races is. I get that. But they don't even let the man go for it. I mean, I mean in the Portugal example I touched on, like Valtteri had a 50-second lead over Verstappen, the only threat to Mercedes all season. And even with that kind of lead over the team's nearest opponent, Valtteri wasn't allowed to go on a different strategy from Lewis to go for the victory. And then, you know, in in the Tuscan GP that I talked about too, Max crashed out of the race on the very first lap. And so even with the threat of Max completely eliminated, Valtteri still wasn't allowed to go on a different strategy to make a run at Lewis. And again, like I'm not saying that Botas is on par with Lewis Hamilton. I don't know if anyone has been in the history of the sport. What I'm saying is Mercedes F1 has only two priorities. Team victories first and Lewis Hamilton victories second. And I think Valtteri Bottas is being as is, I guess I think Botos is being used as a pawn to achieve these things, and I don't think he would tell you any differently.
0: I I don't think so either. Like if I would Marco and I have talked about this on the podcast before. Like I would pay so much money to be a fly on the wall when the doors are closed and they have those team meetings. When something you know when I don't know when Bottas is talking about not you no. Know, either put it, being put on a defensive strategy or, like, not being prioritized. It's like, dude, you're kind of right. Like, if it's obvious to the fans, and I think it's like, you know, pun, pundits have raised questions about it too, but I don't know. If you – Marco, if you asked Toto Wolf, what do you think his answer would be if you said, hey, do you prioritize Valtteri Bottas' wins?
1: Well, if you watched that Netflix documentary, I think his response was, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so – uh I think I mean I think the Mercedes team I think Lewis I think they're all in kind of cahoots with each other of saying the right things, but in reality, you know, the actual actions that they they actually follow with that doesn't line up. And I think Botas is the one person that is kind of saying, "Hey, I disagree with, you know, I didn't sign a contract to be a number two driver." It's like, well, if you ask Mercedes, you did sign a contract to be a number two driver, and like you're all these. As you know, all these specific uh, situations that Robin mentioned, it shows that you know he is a number two driver to Lewis, and I I think like similar to Rob said, like it it does make sense. It seems like it's going to be more money in their pocket if Lewis is you know on top and, and constantly winning these constructors, and all, all eyes on them. But it's the fact that you know they're just full on denying it when there's really never been too many circumstances on their side where it says, hey, like look at what we did x y and z this shows that you know we're not picking favorites
0: yeah i can't remember which race it was but there was there was a race where botas was leading hamilton by three or four seconds and uh the race engineer came on to hamilton's radio and said hey like look, look, looks like this is how we're gonna finish out just with the mercedes one two and lewis said not in this order boys uh and i was just i like, think <laughs> that's when the, like the seed was planted in my head at least if it's like oh you you know who's calling the shots here like i wouldn't be surprised if in his new contract there's some clause saying that like lewis has like you know some kind of say over the overall strategy in every race but i don't know that would i think i think if i did see that or something like that that would totally confirm the conspiracy theory that for lack of a better word, conspiracy theory that, that Rob's bringing up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest I think the biggest glaring thing with the examples that I brought up is that when Lewis is in a position where he is behind Botas, he is completely given the ability to go on a different strategy, uh, like in order to chase the race victory. But when the tables are turned and Lewis is leading the race. Valtteri has just consistently been denied those opportunities to go for a different strategy.
1: Yeah, and I actually, I, I was listening to a, another podcast that had uh, a rival podcast, some might say, that had uh, Christian Horner on, <laughs> and uh, he was talking about kind of like this. <laughs> and he was kind of talking about the whole dynamic of kind of having a your better driver and your secondary driver. And what it really, when it comes down to kind of the last 25% of the race year, you know, you're having that second driver kind of do the things that you need to do to help the the first driver, whether it be, you know, in the in the driver's championship uh, and to help him su- succeed and kind of understand your place. So it was really interesting to hear that response from kind of the uh, team principal compared to, you know, this the actual drives, drivers themselves who they have these major egos involved and, you know, they don't want to be considered that number two option.
0: Yeah, and I don't think you sign a driver if they're okay with being, you know, just a little bitch boy number two. Like, right? Like I think uh, in one of the recent races, Botas was instructed to let Lewis by and there was some drama because he didn't do it right away and he was like, look, I'm on my own race. And it's like, ah, it's like the, the little guy just – just won't quit, and you feel bad for him, kind
1: of. <laughs> well, yeah. Any, uh, any last remarks, Rob? That uh, you want to get off your chest? No, no last remarks. I mean, I think that
2: was pretty much uh, was pretty much it for me. I, I yeah. honestly, <laughs> it was a decent amount of work to get uh, to get all of the info from those examples together. So I really wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we're all in agreement, though. I I, I really think uh, Valtteri Botas' victories are just not prioritized by Mercedes in the slightest.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like we need to get, I don't know, you know, split a fifth with uh, with Toto, get him pretty intoxicated, <laughs> and, and just let all the truths come out. Because I think, you know, we're going to hear a different story from sober Toto than, uh, than, than hammer Toto.
2: Well, hey, Christian Horner goes on a podcast one time. Like, Toto's coming on this podcast the next time. I think we can make that happen.
0: I mean, yeah, like. Christian Horner goes on a, you know, supposedly popular podcast. Toto's always out <laughs> trying to outdo uh, Christian Horner. So he could just come on ours and, you know, spill the beads. We'll get some truth serum in minute yeah, beforehand.
1: just like the past seven years, you know, Red Bull has been a number two. He goes, makes sense to go to a number two podcast. Toto. Thing?
2: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, All right. Well, I, hey, guys, I got to run. Uh, I got to get back to work. But
1: again, thanks for having me on. Uh, I will talk to you guys soon. All right. Well, yeah, thanks again for uh, senior analyst Rob Payne. We'll be looking forward to hearing him later in the years with some other hot takes regarding Mercedes, regarding just kind of just, you know, high data, some some um, high interest areas as well. So uh, that was really appreciate his time coming on the podcast. Up next, we have some recent headlines. Uh, So uh, the first headline coming up, obviously, that we saw during the race and uh, what led, you know, Botas to get retired was, Uh, The nut of his uh, wheel was unable to be taken off. So um, he actually has to the car actually has to go back to the UK in order to get that nut off. Nice. Uh, Botas was obviously very pissed. Uh, You could see his reactions. I think he chucked his um, his steering wheel about 50 yards uh, as he was walking off. And uh, on the other side of things, I think this kind of goes along with uh, what had Rob had mentioned was, you know, I feel like everything Botas says, Hamilton and Toto kind of have to disagree with. And they're always, you know, on the defensive saying, oh, that's not the case. But uh, Toto actually seems like he kind of put some blame on Botas when saying, you know, he came into the pit at a weird angle, made the uh, the pit crew uh, taken off his car, you know, used the the gun at a different angle causing this. I find that really hard to believe because we've seen time and time again, Many cars have you know, come in too far, come into you know, at a at a weird angle. And none of them have had this problem where it is just unable to get taken off. I think it's just another, hey, you know, couldn't be our fault. Yeah, you're looking at this the wrong way, Botas. So um, I always th- found that, you know, side of things interesting. Maybe for once we'd like to see Toto just being like, yeah, that's that's unacceptable.
0: I think, look, they're going to have to pay Lewis a lot of money next year, obviously. They don't have the contract in place yet. This could be just like, you know, anchoring in a negotiation with Bottas, I guess, maybe of just like, oh, you you screwed up and you cost us points for this race. But yeah, dude, I'm in total agreement. Like, what do you what do you mean that he came in at a weird angle so that your gun didn't work right? Like we've seen people stop. It's not like there's an exact place where you have to stop or that it matters if you're 1 foot off. But yeah, thought that was ridiculous. On that topic of uh Bottas having a little bit of an issue with that um with that nut Tom Holland, who played Spider-Man, was videotaped taking a picture with a soft tire in the Mercedes garage, trying to lift it over his head, struggled, and then dropped it. And you could hear a little clink-clang of when that tire was dropped. So this, I mean, look, we've had like a weird season so far. Sebastian Vettel's in green. You know, we're still dealing with COVID. Um, You know, it's interesting to see kind of the, the Red Bull second seat be what it is. But I would not have anticipated that Spider-Man would have broken a wheel and cost Valtteri Baltas and Mercedes race points. So there's there's a little something extra that I did not anticipate
1: at all. Yeah, I mean, just if any circuit is going to do this, it's Monaco. So love the fact that it happened here. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was always entertaining to see as well. Uh, moving on, Mercedes may protest over flex wings for Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Uh, so... They they haven't said whether they will fully or not about um, about lodging a protest for if rival teams run flex flexible rear wings at the forthcoming Baku Grand Prix. Just a little bit of additional information about this. So Total Wolf says that the movement of some rear wings has been judged as excessive. So so te- so teams who would run with these kind of wings are prone to being protested. Uh, this was kind of a new rule that had been delayed in into the start of the season, and really didn't have much language about you know what this delay may be. Uh, I believe McLaren and Ferrari have been two teams that have you know made the switch early into uh, more into harder rear rear wings, while uh, some other teams like uh, like. Ferrari and Red Bull have actually maintained these flex rear rear wings, uh, and it just just helps with their aerodynamic uh, with um the speed and and so uh, we'll look to the, to see what happens from there. But I always found that interesting. I feel like over the last couple of years, Mercedes has always been you know one team to get protested on multiple times. You see like Total Wolf and and um and some of their comments just being like you know we're. We're constantly being outed, and and how dare these you know teams really just call us cheaters? And then you know when you see a little bit of competition, some issues, are gonna be like, oh oh well, you know what, you know shoes on the other foot. And on the other side of things, while Mercedes has drawn attention to Red be- Red Bull's rear wing, Christian Horner and company have then directed eyes towards Mercedes flexing front wing, as seeing be- <laughs> as something that they have seen back at at uh, Monza. So. It's just a protest off, and I love it. You know, this is just kind you of got petty. an old yeah. fashioned protest <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> you know, it's just petty wars at its finest. where are saying, hey, if you're going to protest us, well, remember what you did back there. I guess we, you know, we might protest you over here. So, looking forward to see how that, that transpires. I just love the fact that, you know, they, they, um, Mercedes comes out alluding to this potential issue and then uh, Red Bull claps back immediately. So, uh, yeah, just be on the tunes uh, and, and, you know, ears to the ground and see what happens uh, next week.
0: Yeah, I want Mercedes to realize that Red Bull is protesting uh, them back. And then I want them to protest something that happened back in 2020. Just, you know, the more the more mud in the water that you can stir up, I think the better it's going to work out and the more entertaining it's going to be from a fan perspective. Speaking of Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton, right, he, you know, there's a lot of things that he is, like, undoubtedly, right? He's one, the best, if not absolutely one of the best, like, drivers that we've ever seen in sport. Super big on social activism. Like, he's a positive influence on the world, I would say, and that's, like, going to be kind of hard to judge. But when it comes to sportsmanship, team unity, right, cohesion among the Mercedes team it's great from his perspective when things are going great and seemingly a little rougher when they're not Um, that kind of we win together we lose together mentality of of Lewis when he's doing his post-race interviews when he took an easy p1 seems to have taken a temporary leave of absence since he finished up in p7 this race um, since when he was asked if there were lessons to be learned from Monaco, he said, uh, for me, no. And it was like, for the team? It was like, oh, yeah, for the team, for sure. So not so much as uh, as much cohesion as we'd like. Um, you could see him getting super frustrated over the radio, crying so much that uh, Lance Stroll, who was behind him, there was talk about him actually putting on intermediate or slick tires because uh, because Hamilton was crying so much.
1: Webby. Got him. (laughs) Uh, And then moving on here. So um, Max Mosley passes away at 81. He was a former FIA president, F1 owner and driver. I obviously, with my short history within the sport and him being 81, did not know much about the the former president. But I was doing some research and really some of the, the biggest thing that I that I saw was a an article that said that. He was in a Nazi, Nazi orgy theme, uh, and that just fully caught my attention and started looking I mean, into. Yeah, anybody with a, yeah, like Nazi orgy are two
0: words that I don't think I've seen together before.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And so I, st- I started doing my own research on it. I saw him on a talk show, really explaining more about it. Uh, he was caught having a sex party with five hookers, uh, as he said that they're good friends of his. I don't know which ones, if it, if it's a Venn diagram and they fall into both or if, you know, the story was saying one thing and he's just friends with these people as the other. But so he was caught doing that um, and it was doing some uh, s and stuff. So, uh, you know, kind of painful, smacking, slapping, be- beating each other up a little bit. And um, he actually, fun fact, has a wife. And so when he's hit the press, His wife saw and he actually brought this article to the wife. She didn't believe him. She was laughing, being like, oh, you made this up. You made them print this out. That's even got to be tougher when you're like, no, this is this is real. Uh, But he went on to say that it wasn't actually a Nazi theme orgy that one of the ladies actually likes being bossed around in an accent she doesn't know. And that was accent was German. And then that he had some family history. His family last name was tied to, you know, some, some Nazi being part of the Nazi group. So I think with those two things that, you know, this reporter just assumed that this was a Nazi theme orgy, uh, I just, I found this completely out of the blue, um, very entertaining watch, very entertaining read to, to learn more about. So, uh, Ripped to a, a huge legend in Max Mosley on and off the course.
0: So Formula One is awesome because you can always go back and like learn stories that you didn't know about. But I did not anticipate hearing about a potential Nazi orgy or, again, maybe even reading those two words together in my life. But, yeah. What if it was a Nazi orgy? and then he's just trying to cover his ass and be like oh she just likes to be bossed around in loud german
1: <laughs> i mean i don't know like like he he even said oh like there was a video of her saying that she likes being bossed around in and uh in languages she doesn't know so like he does actually it seems like have some <laughs> some you know uh, actual hard facts that saying, Hey, this is actually what happened. But, uh, wait,
0: yeah. what? Uh, she just has a video of herself being like, yeah, my kink is I like, I, I like to be bossed around in languages. Like, I can't understand.
1: So he said, uh, on the interview, <laughs> I did not keep doing my due diligence to look for a said interview of some random girl saying this, <laughs> but I'm going to take his word for it. He was pretty honest about the whole situation. It seemed like, on the, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're bored, Please give it a listen. I think it was on. It looked like kind of like some type of UK uh, late night show or uh, some type of interview where some guy was asking him. It was very funny looking at the crowd uh, and it was looked like it was pretty much all women in their faces when he was talking about telling his wife and, and things like that. Yeah, they were not a fan. Uh, so uh, very entertaining uh, whole situation at all. Something that I did not expect to see when I was doing my my research on Max Mosley.
0: I did not expect to hear that at all, so thank you for digging that up for sure. Um, Next, not even relatively as entertaining, Um, Formula One bosses are going to try and make changes at the Monaco circuit. A quick quote from Lewis, I've been saying time and time again, it doesn't matter what position you are in, this track is not fun to race on, because you don't see any overtaking and you cannot follow. It's great when you win, but even when you're leading and far ahead, it is also boring. So I'm sure for Max, it was a pretty chilled afternoon for him. I, I get that you want to have like the history of stuff in F1. Like you don't want to lose the history of Monaco because of how important it's been over the years. But I mean, I I agree. Like we had, a, it was a boring race from a standpoint of overtaking and action. Um, you know, it it was nice because of the changes in the world championships, but. I, I sort of agree with them, and I don't really see how they're going to like lengthen or, or sorry widen the roads there just so you know more overtakings possible. But you know, hopefully, um, in my opinion, hopefully Monaco stays on the circuit, and some of the other kind of duds where there's no overtaking get taken out, like uh, like Barcelona, maybe.
1: Right. Yeah, and I saw some things where some potential minor changes that they can make like extending the the tunnel where that could open up some potential overtake and there was another area as well they said that they were going to play with it and but they really didn't have any set ideas of what they were going to do just doing some heavy testing and i think this is um monaco is like the one circuit where i see all these cars and it is apparent how long these suckers are i mean they look like 30, 30 feet long And I think that is actually like, they have been continuing to get like skinnier and longer every single year. And I think that's been an issue where, uh, you know, they had to increase the gas capacity so they didn't have to fuel um, you know, a number of years ago or they had to fuel during pit stops. And like everything that is done is in terms of aerodynamics. So you want something that is very skinny, short to the ground and long. And so the longer these cars with these, you know, really windy roads it's just makes it very hard for them to be able to actually get around those quickly and you know get picked up um faster as well so it's just kind of like you can't turn back time in those type of the way that you know these cars have been structured like you can't just like start take that really start uh, to take those away so really inter- interesting to see how that plays out but um regardless of the fact like just seeing kind of the, the viewpoints, knowing, you know, what Monaco is, this is just one race that I'm okay with really, you know, having this, you know, not too exciting type of race. It, it just show it really just puts more, more emphasis on qualf- quals and just how important it is to, to get a good pole position there. Uh, and then just really, you know, just do, you know, do your job during the race and you'll be fine. Uh, moving on, this was a quote from an article that I saw, uh, Quote, Nikita Mazepin pulls off a huge achievement and. Claps, uh, big claps, <laughs> yes, for Nikita. Yes, huge. Snap, snap, snap. And then the subheader was Nikita Mazepin had what was easily his best Formula One race and an entire race weekend this past weekend at Circuit de Monaco. He finished in front of a Ferrari and a Mercedes. So, I mean, he's back. Uh, so the part where he finished in front of a Ferrari and Mercedes was not part of the article, but he technically did. Uh, the article went on to say that you know he did not have any crashes and any of the free practices he did not crash in qualifying and he finished the race in the actual race so i mean i, I, I got to you know tip my cap to him that is a huge uh that is a huge achievement for old Mazepin.
0: i mean yeah when you're getting applauded for not crashing on a weekend you might want to reconsider the sport i saw dude i saw a video of his race engineer telling him to switch settings on the car and he was like guiding him through he was like like m85 or something like that where he had to he had to move two knobs and he was like i can't it's monaco it's like guy everyone else is changing settings like if you are too distracted by monaco then you're simply just not ready which is something that we've been saying forever but yeah uh good for him finishing ahead of his teammate for the first time I'd put a lot of money to say that that is the last time that that's gonna happen. really screwed up our race predictions that we're uh that we're gonna get to <laughs> in a minute here, but uh, but it is what it is and finally, as uh the McLaren fan between the two of us, it does uh require some notice that Lando did lap Danny um during Monaco, so two things here: first off, he like waved going by that's rude. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it was like a, you know, thanks, like I appreciate you. like not the first time that that's happened. I don't know if you waved the first time um, but yeah, that wave, I can't wait for the Netflix you know the Netflix highlighting of that wave just to be like you know that was the point. That was the pivotal point of whatever happens on. write that scene. down, write but, that down. right exactly. Um so yeah it was just a thank you wave now going to be portrayed as you know what I th- if Danny continues to not do well it's going to be portrayed as like a know your place you are my number 2 like get out of my way you peasant um which I don't think is the current situation uh but you know it, it's 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 just going to be bubbling up sooner than later if Danny doesn't get his act together and that's definitely going to be highlighted by the old drive to survive crew so the second thing is that like Dan- Danny has to start getting better like it's they he has it on a long-term deal um, they you know they both signed up for a couple a couple years and you know Carlos signs getting p2 I think highlights more of Danny Danny's performance in that car just because Carl I mean Carlos is in a new car and yeah he you know he's finished behind Danny in some races but this was this is a, a big one like a, a very technical race um, and the other thing is like Danny just doesn't seems like in interviews where he's talking to the media, he's like, I don't know what it is. Like, usually if you can, usually you can look at the data and say, okay, you know, this corner, I lost some time here. I broke early here. I didn't get a good launch out of the corner, you know, on this corner. He's he's kind of at a loss right now, which is I think probably the biggest red flag of just like, okay, where where do we go from here if you don't know where, you know, where you need to improve or where you need to fix things. So, yeah, I, as a, you know, as a McLaren fan, as a, as a pretty big ricardo fan i, I don't think it's going to be long term but starting to become kind of a black mark on the record that you know five races into uh into the season you get lapped by your teammate
1: yeah yeah two things here i saw danny's quotes just saying you know when it's when there's a weekend this bad and this really difficult it's it's kind of easy to wipe off but like I mean, I would think that there's a little bit more nerves than anything. Just being like, I get it was this bad, but like the fact that it got this bad, like it, it, it's gotta be a little bit worrisome, uh, for McLaren and for Danny, uh, as you said, you know, he has shown some decent outings, but, uh, it's just the consistency is not there. And the other thing, and there was a video of, uh, Christian Horner walking behind him, and, and Danny turned around just being like, Hey, congrats, Christian, hell, hell of a weekend. And, and Christian was just like, "Ah, uh, yeah, thanks. I, I don't know what to say, because you're not going to be like, hey, you too. It's <laughs> just going to be like, hey, like, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, I mean, y- you know the feeling, and then just kept walking, and I was like, oh, that's just like really awkward, and it's like your ex, like, found a, a much better looking person you're dating, and you're like, hey, like, congrats, and then you're dating, like, uh, or you're single, or you're you're dating a really ugly person, like, hey, like, thanks, appreciate the compliments, like, remember, remember when it used to be like this? All right, see ya. Yeah. Remember how good you had it? Anyway, talk to you later. (laughs) Yeah, we're enjoying our time, but yeah, I'm sure you're kind of wishful thinking. Well, uh, yeah, that does it for recent headlines. Uh, Moving on to race predictions recap Uh, to let everyone know the current score right now was – current score last time was Ian 6, me 5. And so, yeah, we'll just uh, go through it. So um, who do we think will crash our DNF? I went with Mick Schumacher. Ian went with Yuki Sonoda, both of us in the clear there. We had who we think the winner was. I went with Max Verstappen. Ian went with Steins. I nailed it. Uh, Last place we went with our Nikita Mazepin. Unfortunately, did not get the points there. So I think we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board if we're allowed to just keep hammering him. For where to me, I think. We would still stick with that just because, you know, one time doesn't necessarily mean and like next time if we can't pick the same person, someone's going to pick Nikita. So like it's just – I feel like you're giving the other person an unfair advantage. Maybe we add that Lewis count like we do a Nikita count too where we can (laughs) only pick him four times and like change that up a little bit. Um, Yeah. I think just
0: really quickly here – I actually want to go back to back to the winners. Like you took it, you got Max, which was dead on, and I got Signs. Not every day that two old, you know, two little podcast boys get the one-two on uh, on winners of the race. So, yeah. especially when Lewis is not involved. So, good on us, man. Yeah, who would have thought? Good, look at us go.
1: Yeah, we got to really pick the good <laughs> stuff we do because coming up, um, the bad <laughs> stuff is really bad. Uh, so, driver of the day. <laughs> Uh, coming in, I went with Mister Danny Ricardo, and Ian went with Charles Leclerc. So uh, I don't know who did worse. Uh, I would say in this in this choice, um, you know, at least my guy actually finished the race uh, or started the race as well. We take the good, we'll take the bad, and uh, we'll toss yeah. the bad in the trash game.
0: That is why I wanted to really highlight that uh, we got we, <laughs> we got well <laughs> on the winners because your guy didn't make it out of Q one. My guy didn't make it. Uh, to, like to lights out, so yeah, that sucked. Another thing that sucked. Douche of the day, brought to you by Summer's Eve. We both got this wrong. You went with George Russell, I went with Nicholas Latifi. In our defense, I didn't really
1: think there was a douche of the day, and, I, and so, I agree. so we
0: might have to give Summer's Eve their money back because, like, who would you have said that like did anything douchey?
1: I think it would have to be going back to Quals with with Charles screwing everyone over because you got a lot of people pissed off about that and so i think that might be the the closest thing that you could say douche of the day the actual rates itself it didn't seem like there was much douchiness at all except for maybe lewis really being a douche to his team but uh yeah i mean clearly not george or, or nicholas yeah uh fastest
0: pit stop withholding red bull red bull actually did have the fastest pit stop on sunday so good for uh good for them getting back into it um you picked ferrari i picked aston martin this is just a guess, one so you know it's it is what it is it was red bull mercedes and then aston martin so i got third place which counts for nothing in this game um and our wild card prediction i always struggle uh you know just because i'm probably the most humble person in the entire world um i struggle with trying to toot my own horn too much. Um, but your boy called a Mercedes list podium and, uh, pretty much spot on. So yeah, don't want to, <laughs> Shocking. to toot
1: that horn too did much. Not, yeah. Did not see that coming. I was giving you some slack. You were very close. I know one, a couple things would have had to, to change, but I know you had talked about it. I did Danny podium. We'll forget about it. Uh, but <laughs> you were saying, you know, I am expecting a double Ferrari and, Red Bull finish uh, you would have gotten 10 points for that very close Uh, going into you know Saturday it looks like hey you know all eyes on that but also you know obviously Leclerc if he were to stay but on the other hand you could also say you know if Botas would have stayed you know if so facto but I mean very very close to even hitting that so uh, props to you yeah huge huge get on there
0: yeah, that's a a big bonus. Just because I feel like our wild card predictions are kind of not necessarily uh, throwaways, but it's only fun if you make a wild card prediction that's a very very wild card. You know, so I think props to you for getting the Danny podium in there and the Mercedes list list podium. I think I will tell my kids about that because uh, when that when that was st- when Bottas was out of that race, I was uh, you could say I, my heartbeat was up and I was pretty excited. So
1: yeah, you're like I don't th- I don't see Lewis just making up five five places here, so I think I got this in the bag. Awesome. All right. And that oh yeah. And uh, just yeah looking back on that, so I won one, Ian won one scores seven, Ian, me six. Uh so looking forward to seeing how I'm glad we're at least keeping it close. it, it makes it fun. Uh it would have been a real bummer <laughs> if someone's just starting to really pull away from us. Um but yeah um that that does it for the race predictions recap. And that also does it for episode 10 of the Eat Asphalt podcast. So I really appreciate you guys listening in, making it all the way through. I would love to hear your thoughts on um, our senior analyst and uh, any other areas that you'd like for him to kind of look into and cover. Uh, And, yeah, once again, really appreciate you guys listening. Feel free to like, like, subscribe, and share. And, uh, Ian, any last thoughts? Nope.
0: I think that's everything. We'll see you before Baku. And looking forward to Azerbaijan.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks again, guys.
0: See you, assholes. See you assholes.